Life Audio. Hey everyone, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Yunus. I'm so glad for us to be together. Thanks you guys for sharing this podcast and rating and leaving us reviews. And just so you know, anytime you have questions, including for Rachel, who's been our special guest for the last several episodes, you can write me directly at Nicole at NicoleUnis.com and one of the team or Rachel or whoever will get back to you. And we'll do our best to answer your questions, point you toward resources, which we do each week on our weekly email. Any of those things are places that you can connect with us. Oh, I didn't, you know, I forgot, Rach. Also, the Facebook group. Did you know we had a Facebook group? Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. I know you I did not know. know. I, I know you didn't know. I know. We all feel a lot of feeling. <laughs> Anytime we do a community of any kind and we do choose something like a Facebook group, there's always the person who writes me that's like, I don't have Facebook. I'm like, <laughs> I know. We are in Babylon. We are using some of the tools. So it's okay if you don't use it. But if you do use Facebook and you want to get in our How to Say the Bible group, there's the link in the show notes. And people like to encourage one another, leave prayer requests ask questions, et cetera. You know what my favorite thing about it is, though? People from all over the world are in there. And you're like, what? I can't believe you're listening to this in Nova Scotia or like Dubai or, you know, people from all over the place. So that's I'm just I'm just an 80 year old man. (laughs) And that's kind of how I interact with social media. So that is not a a value or virtue statement. I'm just a little old person. I I think at the end of the day, what people need to know about you and me is we're both very extroverted. We love people. So whenever we're doing like groups and stuff, it's just because we're trying to connect with you guys. And we wish you were all piled into this podcast studio. Oh my God. And this time, this tiny little podcast studio, that would be incredible. (laughs) All of you just stacked up. Just uh, a really good time to do that. Yeah, exactly. And to answer your questions live. So send us your questions because we're happy to do reader questions as an episode as well. And Rachel, who's with us, is a wealth of information and she can help us, you know, navigate some of the more tricky parts of scripture. So 
I could try. I mean, well, no promises. I but <laughs> we're all we're all trying for sure. Okay, so we're going to continue forward with the Sermon on the Mount. We've moved through Matthew chapter five. Such good stuff, man. I am more and more just interested in continuing to read and process and be in this scripture. But we're going to wrap up now at the end of Matthew chapter six. So we we skipped a whole bunch that you guys are reading, and we'll we'll go back to it a little bit, but. Rach, just help us know where we left off. Like, give us a quick flyover and then uh, and then read the passage for us that we've selected for today. Yeah, so we just finished up, you know, as you said, we finished up Matthew 5. And and Jesus starts with blessings and by defining kingdom membership. And the people who are actually, who belong in the kingdom of God are not the ones you would expect. And so it starts in this really sweet place of grace. And then Jesus right away comes, hits us with, with kingdom ethics of, what is a kingdom person like? And what are they like on the outside? And what are they like on the inside? And he really hits us with some hard stuff that is so beautiful and for our good and for our flourishing. And so that's what we were wrestling with through, through Matthew 5. But now in Matthew 6, he's going to pivot again a little bit and he's going to talk about kingdom practices. Okay. What are the habits in our life? And he talks about giving to the poor and praying and fasting, in which I think what's one thing that's very interesting Jesus actually does make an assumption that we are doing those things in some kind of way. I think he uses the word when or whenever about seven times, Mm. but he totally redefines it because what Jesus really consistently hits over and over is that the the most important spiritually formative virtue in this sense is authenticity. And and I think not in a cheap social media way, but Mm. that the person on the inside is the same as the person on the outside, Mm. that your prayer life, that your generosity, that your spiritual disciplines are consistently through you. They're not to impress somebody else. Yeah. They're actually about shaping your life with God so that you can be the kind of neighbor who really cares about and loves your community. So he keeps hitting that over and over. And at the end of this section, he's going to come at what I think is one of the most defining and important habits and practices, which is how we deal with money mm-hmm. and how we deal with anxiety, which are closely related things. Mm, man. And he's, he's going to come for us. Okay. <laughs> so just to recap, which I love, like Jesus is now saying he's, He's he's amending practices that he assumes that we're already doing. So, again, as modern Christians who maybe have learned all kinds of things about what it means to operate in the kingdom of God, we do want to know that straight from Jesus's mouth, he talks about giving prayer and fasting. He amends those things to bring them in line with our heart, but he doesn't throw them out. There's there's clearly an assumption that we're going to be doing that some of those things. And then he continues into this practice of what we do with our worry. Right. OK. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to start reading from verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. 
Okay, so I'm alternately immediately like comforted and challenged. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of the tagline for the sermon. Yeah, because like on one hand, I'm like, oh my gosh, what a wonderful teaching. Like just how straight from the mouth of God he's saying to his people, do not worry. Don't worry about these things. But on the other hand, I'm like, the planner in me is like, wait a second, God, you can't not plan for tomorrow. Like, I'm not a bird. I don't like I cannot gather my food off the ground. Like I, I, to be. I know I don't <laughs> we have like agendas and schedules and, and strategies. And I have all these things that I have to do. And of course, I have to do these things like plans have to be made. So there's this deep sense of challenge within this. Like, is this even realistic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a that is a fair, hard question. Yeah. <laughs> And as we've kind of been talking in this whole Sermon on the Mount, I really do think Jesus does mean to be taken seriously, but how we engage in what this looks like, Jesus is going to help us do it. Yeah. So I think we really got to hold those things together because otherwise it's it's pretty easy to get discouraged and throw on the tail. Well, and also, you know, this is one of those passages and we just did it ourselves where we it, it's read out of context. It's just read for its piece. And I do think it's important that we place it in context. So Let's go to what's the backstory. Let's look at what happened before. And you you sort of made mention of that a little earlier. But let's let's look at what's happening when Jesus then says, like, therefore, because anytime we know we always talk about little words in Scripture, very important. Therefore is one of those little words super important before you could possibly interpret this passage. You have to know what Jesus is connecting it to. Yeah. And I think, honestly, this if there's any passage of the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, all of it, I think, is so relevant for us. But for a 21st century Western person. Mm-hmm. This section is talking about money and anxiety. Okay. And I think Jesus really has something to say to us. So he is actually framing this conversation. It starts with talking about money, about okay. not storing up your treasure on earth, but storing up treasure in heaven. Because okay. that, that's where that line, maybe some of you have heard that for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Mm-hmm. So there's, it kind of goes both ways because your money reflects how you spend it. It shows what you love, but okay. also how you submit your money can shape what you love. So okay. there's kind of, so there's kind of this two directional thing. And then Jesus is going to talk. If you're looking at following along your Bible, 622 and 23 might throw you off. Okay. uh, Simply because that's actually, he's using a Jewish expression. He's talking about how the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Mm -hmm. But if it's unhealthy or dark, you'll be fought, body will be full of darkness. That's kind of weird. Unless you realize that in this kind of Jewish idiom, a good eye meant you were generous. And Uh, a good eye meant you were stingy. Okay. So he's saying, look, even our figures of speech are talking about how your generosity, your your trusting God with your money mm. d- dictates whether you're in the light or in the darkness. Okay. And so that's kind of gets us to this point. And then so just before the passage we read, he says, no one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mm. And that's the kind of the mic drop moment before what you just read. Okay. So before we get into the comforting of do not worry or like these things, the actual yeah, just truth bomb is you cannot serve God and money. Do you think that Jesus just means money, money as in dollar bills, or does it mean more than than money? Like what's behind money? That's what I always ask. Yeah. I'm like, money is just a tool. Right. Money in itself is not evil. And that's been a, a, an interesting misinterpretation. Yeah. And we, we should not interpret scripture that way, because if you were if that was the case, then only poor people who were poor in the financial sense would be blessed in the kingdom and would be but there are all kinds of people. There are powerful people in scripture who are also used for God's purposes. I'm thinking of Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. He's yeah, like absolutely. one. He's the one who takes Jesus's body from the cross and like puts him, you know, finds like purchases a tomb, puts him into a tomb. Nicodemus, there's all these people, the centurion, there's Lydia. There's these people who definitely had worldly treasure, mm-hmm. but they're using it for the kingdom. So this isn't like you have to be poor. So what is the money about if it's not just about money? 
Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Well, I think I think Jesus actually kind of lays that out for us here in linking money and anxiety. Mm. And I think money can do a lot of things. But what I think of initially in kind of the first pass in this, I think money is the external expression of the internal reality of anxiety. So how we spend money, okay. I think in a lot of ways shows what we do and do not trust. Well, and money, yeah, like money represents security. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's a and and you people find security mostly in money, <laughs> but also people find security in job titles. People find security in roles. People find security in relationships where it's like I'm okay because this thing, this external thing is mine. Right? Like so yeah, I don't want to avoid the fact that it is about money, but it's deeply about I'm okay because I have this exactly. thing. And as as anything with Jesus, this is always a heart issue that is expressed externally. So you got to deal with a heart issue. And we are in an anxious, anxious world where I think post-COVID, you know, and I think the fundamental question, I see this in my students all the time. We know anxiety is on the rise. Yeah. The fundamental question is, Am I okay? Yeah. And what do I need to be okay? What do I need to be okay? And so often, yep. especially in kind of the, the West, we go to money as the way that we're okay. Yeah. We And we go to external. I've actually, I actually read a study recently that said that one of the, one of the theories about why globally, like human beings are less happy, they have more but are less happy than ever before, is because so much of our validation has gone to external factors. Whereas there used to be maybe a deeper sense of, connection and belonging internally as what makes me okay. Now it's like, no, these external things, nothing is more anxiety producing than trying to put your identity in external things that you cannot control. And also that don't satisfy. So you've got both sides of it where it's like, well, you could have all the money in the world and then you realize it doesn't work. That's like straight Ecclesiastes, which we studied in a couple, you know, several weeks back. Or you can have no money and feel feel really anxious. Rough, and so anxious or, or no security. Yeah, like security. Security in anything. And, and this is why I love particularly verse 33, because Jesus is naming who we are meant to be and why we should not worry. But he does give us an action to take, which I think is really important because anxiety has action in it. Mm. And oftentimes telling someone to not be anxious is like telling someone to settle down. Like it's like, yeah. <laughs> stop being anxious. 
because anxiety has an energy to it. And so when I think about that, you can't dispel energy without energy. Like you just can't make it go away. And But Jesus gives us a way to direct our energy, that energy that's looking for something to validate, something to to make us feel secure. And he gives it to us in verse 33 because he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Like you're seeking and I'm not telling you to stop seeking. I'm just telling you to seek the right things. And as you seek the right things, your anxiety, like your, your energy is moving in a direction that's going to bring peace rather than anxiety. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. I think kind of what struck me to in these these kind of re- these re- self-reflective questions of the, the, therefore don't worry saying what do we eat what do we drink what do we wear and just jesus reiterating god cares about you yeah he cares about that stuff yeah and i wonder if this isn't kind of another warping of what we see in genesis 3 in the fall of this doubt that god actually has my best interest in heart and then god is holding out on me right that's yeah. eve takes the the fruit it's this kind of assumption that god is withholding something in for me and I have to get it myself. I have to go get it because he's not going to take care of me. And I, I know I, in my own life, I think that's a real question mm-hmm. of like, is God is God holding out on me? Do I just need a deal because he's not going to yeah. he's not going to help? Yeah. And I, you know, I always love to say as an action oriented person, as I know you are, Rachel, I often will say to action oriented people, do you really think God's calling you to more action now? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it possible he's calling you to rest or to trust or to wait? Which is not always, that's not always the case, but it's just an interesting frame. I also love, that you pointed out these three questions. And when I think about how we might apply this to our life, I wonder what the three questions are for me or for you or for our listeners. If you were thinking like, what are the pressing things that I'm asking myself every day that maybe I'm drawn to be anxious about? I'm drawn to try to handle myself, control myself. Like I know a big one for me as a mom is like, are my kids going to be okay? You know, and how easy it is to to wrestle control back from the Lord to be like, what are the ways that I need to make sure my kids are going to be okay? That isn't prayer. It isn't, you know, it's not seeking first the kingdom. It's actually just having that question like constantly going in my mind, like what I would ask you, listener, like, what are those three questions? Like in in this context, Jesus says, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? But what are your what shall we you know? Oh, man. Yeah. That's good. I mean, as I think kind of my, of my college students, but also myself and kind of a post-COVID world, I think one of the biggest ones is relational and emotional need. Yeah. It is are, are my emotional, my relational needs going to be met yeah. in, yeah. in a culture that is still kind of just fractured and struggling? Yeah. How do we connect? And so, yeah, so many people are lonely. Yeah. And we, yeah, in our loneliness, how do we, are we able to sit in it and say, how could I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, even in what feels like my deficit right now, like rather than going to solve it, fix it, numb it, escape it, control it, like all the ways that we seek our own security. Yeah. Oh, man, that's hard to do. (laughs) It it is hard to do. And this is why I think it's like really important. Maybe maybe this would be a good closing in the midst of this, because this is sometimes what I like to do if I'm in my own personal Bible study and I get to something where I'm like, oh, that's hard. You know, I always ask, what would Jesus say though right now? Like if if we're if we're in that place of honesty and we're feeling that sense of like I can't actually do this. Like Jesus is calling me to do something I can't do on my own. What are the what are the promises of scripture? What is the comfort of God that we would sort of end on? Like mm-hmm. is there a verse that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think our our lead off Sermon on the Mount verse all where Jesus says that the poor in spirit are blessed. So if you are so good. burned out and thinking Oh, my word, there's no way I can 
ever get to that like, spiritual level of trust or confidence or whatever, whatever language you want. Yeah. You, she says, oh, no, you're going the right way. If you realize you can't do this by yourself. Yeah. Now we can get somewhere. Yeah. Well, I think for me, like two things come to mind, like from Romans, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So if I feel like I'm starting to. So for me, what comes to mind is two things, like because I think there's two directions that my heart can go that that draw me away from God rather than toward him when I'm in this passage. One is toward condemnation, like I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I need to try harder. Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me that I have these needs. And I'm immediately taken to Romans 8. There now, therefore, is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So I just like put that in my mind. The other place that I go is like fear. Like what What if? What if? And I just love in First John, it says perfect love drives out fear. So being able to write those things down and be like, wow, right in the midst of these promises of seeking the kingdom and trusting God with my needs, he also reminds us like there is no condemnation. Perfect love will drive out fear. Like I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like over and over again, we see Jesus in word and action is always with us. And that just makes my load lighter. Like I just, I leave Bible study and I'm like, okay, Jesus is with me. Like I can seek the kingdom with him. I'm not trying to seek it for him or to find him. Like he's, he's with me in it. And that's a beautiful, beautiful promise. And as I think if in terms of how do I, how do I respond, right? What, how do I engage this? What, what, what is the invitation? So I, I live in the Appalachians, right? I live in the mountains. It's beautiful. Okay. Especially this time of year. Yeah. It's gorgeous. And, and Jesus says, Look at the birds. Consider the lilies. Yeah, so good. I would suggest you go do this. <laughs> yeah, <you're so> <laughs> like, actually do the thing. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something we've talked about before. Yeah. How, the, how important it is to to find a place you can forget what year it is, wherever yeah. you live, yeah. where where you can actually be in God's creation and just experientially remember that God takes care of the world. Yeah, He's got the whole world in His hands. Oh my gosh, so good. And He's got me. Like God actually cares about me too. Yeah, and I live in the city, and I can still within a few blocks of my house, get to a place where you can forget what year it is. Um, there's always a tree to look at. There is a tree, a flower blooming. There's always a bird nearby. Like there, there is like, yeah, maybe, yeah, I love that invitation. You know, Jesus says, hey, go consider, go consider a few of these things. Don't you never want. And then come on back to me. So that's our invitation to you guys as you go. We hope that maybe you're even on a walk right now. Hope that you're noticing a way that God is taking care of the world and taking care of you. We'll talk with you next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.